0: So I've decided to continue with uh, part two of a preach that I did two weeks ago. It says, never lose the wonder of the magnificence of the church. So those of you making notes, uh, that's where we're going. And um, I'm trusting and hoping that you will be encouraged this morning. And uh, we're going to see what God does in this. And there's a number of folk that are away. So as a result of that, I'm probably going to come back to this preach again. It's not often that I get to, to do a preach twice, but I, I do recall reading a story once of a preacher. It's when I, I can't remember who the guy was, but at one given time, he did a preach, and I think he preached this preach for about four to six weeks, the same preach. And eventually, the people came to him and said to him, why, why do you keep preaching this preach over and over? He says, well, I'm preaching it until you get it. And um, I think it's important because, you know, these moments, uh, you hear a message and uh, as, as quickly as we hear it, as quickly as it goes in the one ear and out the other. And so we've got to constantly keep reinforcing the truths into our lives and that. So I'm really hoping that this will help. But I think for me, the, the, this, this thing of never lose the wonder of the church is a powerful thing for us. We, we need to, you look at the testimony that Divine's just brought this morning of being part of a local body, being part of a local local congregation. God has designed it that we would work in congregation. It's in the church and through the church that we function. There's too many lone rangers out there and folk who try to do it on their own, you will eventually uh, implode. And... Um, you will not be able to, to, to sustain yourself and to run the journey. So that's why God has designed this most incredibly precious vehicle. It's the church for us to be a part of. And as I shared three weeks or two weeks ago, I don't know where Lee and I would be if it wasn't for the church. You know, six years into our marriage, we nearly got divorced. And, and it was hectic. We thought we were doing great until we got involved in the local church. And they did a marriage course, which we thought, well, what the heck is wrong that everybody else needs to go on a marriage course? We're doing just great. And that just ripped straight into our lives. And God started to expose things, and then He started to heal, and He started to restore. But it came when we recognized what God was doing, that we realized how great He was How small we were and we needed to submit and surrender to that and I'm gonna say to you the rest is history was actually quite funny last night sitting with the guys and chatting because everybody's so excited about Gunter and and Laura and I was sharing with the guys we're coming up to 30 years in November of of, of marriage and it's by God's grace that Lee has been able to stick it out with me she's done well and it's been, a, it's been a massive privilege, but I want to tell you that it's in and through the local church that this has been possible for us to to sustain this journey and to do life together and to do life together with all of you. You know, yesterday with Gunther's uh, wedding, there were a number of folk here that dove, dove in, dived in, whatever, to actually help set up. I mean... If if you look at the costs of weddings and those kind of things, what the body did yesterday just to help them and to serve. um, Some of the guys from Stellenbosch said to me last night, they said, I've never seen guys operate like you guys do. Everybody was just diving in and just helping to make their wedding such an amazing success in and through the local church. That's where it happens. And so... I want to say to you the church isn 't an attachment to your life, it is your life because Jesus gave us this vehicle to be a part of and to and to do life together and through the church we get significance and purpose so i 'm going to touch on a few things here which I hope will encourage you this morning and help you to rethink the way that we we look at church and how we operate in church and uh, yeah hopefully it'll inspire you and, and part of our Sharing these messages is to equip you as the saints, so that when you get into conversation with people around the coffee table during the week, that you can also, when people say, ah, oh, you know, church, they just take your money. Uh, we're, not, we're not interested in your money. We're really not. With the kingdom of God needs money to operate, and God tests us. But, but actually, you could sit and say, actually, we're not interested in your money. We're actually interested in helping people fall in love with Jesus and then to disciple you to help make you a better follower of Christ. And so we're equipping you here. And so when you go from here, you can make a difference wherever God places you. And that's the most powerful thing. So let's have a look at Ephesians 3, verses 8 to 11. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians. He says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. Paul was an astute um, Uh, Jew, and he was a teacher, and naturally at that given time, he would have thought he would be preaching and teaching to the Jews, but God called him to actually preach and teach to the Gentiles with you and I, okay? And it says, to teach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. That's why you're not going to hear all the fancy Greek words coming from me, because I'm not that clever, (laughs) all right? Uh, Paul, when he wrote this, was, was a simple man, and, and he brought a message that people could understand and walk away with. That's why we preach the way that we do. And he goes on, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, say the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms According to his eternal purpose which he accomplishes in Christ Jesus our Lord. For me the focus is here through the church. That the mysteries of God which were a mystery at one point are now being made known to us now. That through the church God will actually impact people in our areas of influence wherever we find ourselves. So the church is God's chosen vehicle. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on this morning is the marks of a true church. Interestingly, years ago I saw a clip where bank tellers were being trained and uh, they were trained to pick up when there is a counterfeit note. And what they would do was, and I think uh, you sort of in the banking environment you might know a little bit about this, but what happens is um, the guys would work with true notes and they would count and they would work every day with it for approximately three months. And then what would happen is they would slip a false note in. And while they're working, they'd suddenly pick up the false note because they had been working with the true notes all the time. And so this becomes important for us. And you might say, well, why? That's a good question, Dimble Central. I love it when you guys ask this because it's important for us to know the difference between a true church and a false church. So I want to show you a couple of scriptures just to give you an indication of what an unhealthy church, false church would look like. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10 verses 20. It says, no, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. And this is where the Jews were... Um, guys were saying that they were Jews in a, in a local church, actually were not Jews at all, they were not even Christians at all, we, we, we get this. What they said and the way that they lived their lives was totally contradictory, and you'll see why, because if you look at the book of Corinthians, can you believe it, that a son was sleeping with his stepmom, and they were boasting about it, so this church was a little bit messed up. Then there's 1 Corinthians 12 2. It says, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. And so what happens is Christ followers, um, even in this context, what was happening is they were being lured away to a different gospel that was not being preached. And so they get to hear the word of God and then the next fad comes up. And the problem is in today's era, there is so much... Um, uh, what's the, what, what's the um, uh, technology, this, uh, social media, that's what I'm looking for, that we have access to. And many of us are on a daily basis possibly exposing ourselves to all kinds of teachings out there. And, and the thing is, what happens is, if it is slightly off and you give yourself to that, you will find yourself being lured away. What will happen is you'll start to question what we do, even in our own context. And I've seen it in our context. Some, some people might say, we get somebody who brings a tongue. I know, Eugenie, she's a lovely lady. She's got no reason to harm the church, but God moves like that. And fortunately, every time she's brought a tongue, somebody's interpreted it. But other people say, but this isn't of God. This is demonic. This is demonic. And it's not demonic. The Bible is very clear. These are things that we will experience in our context. And Andrew recently, Andrew Selly who leads Josh Jen, actually preached around this area and said, some of these things that we see in the Bible are going to start out working itself in our context. That is because God is on the move. And he says, that is it. This is it. That which we see in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit coming with power, anointing the church... And the saints rising up, using their gifts, their talents, abilities, and their resources, but also the spiritual gifts that God gives them, suddenly starts to manifest itself here. And if we are really understanding what we see in Scripture, the true, this is good, this is of God. But when a word comes, or or somebody walks in that gives us something totally contrary to, to what we have been accustomed to, you as the saints, and we as the saints collectively, should be able to pick it up and say, that was not of God. This is how it works. Revelation 2, verses 9. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Sure. And that's Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation And and he's busy addressing the churches. And we're going to look at those at some point as well. The next one is Revelation 3 verses 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And so what are we dealing with here? Is that that Jesus um, is exposing those that are not Christ followers. Um, and, and, and if we're not Christ followers, if we're not following Jesus, then who are we following? We can't sit with our feet in two camps. We're either for God, with God, or we're actually against Him, which actually means that we're actually in Satan's camp. That's clearly what the Word is preaching and teaching here. So, with that, there's this guy named Luther, uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin, And they painted a picture of what a true church looks like. So this becomes helpful for us. It's the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught. And the sacraments are rightly administered. So what happens is in a church context, the word of God is preached. But on top of that, in a church context, what will happen is when people get saved, what is the next thing that should happen when somebody gets saved? And they make a commitment to Christ. Who would like to have a go at it? I'm going to open the floor. Baptism. That's right. There's water baptism. All right? So part of the sacraments is when a Christian gets saved, what happens is we've got to speak to them and say, hey, you need to get water baptized now. And if it's winter, trust me, you will never forget your water baptism. Okay? And it's important for us to help people with that because because often what happens is there are too many Christians that are running around that don't have the full starter pack. You might say, what starter pack are you talking about? Yeah, Vodacom and MTM don't only have a starter pack. We also have one. The starter pack is, you've got to get saved. The second thing is, when you get saved, you need to be water baptized. And we've got to teach people that. Because it is a public confession of your faith. It's an inward change. As messed up as what we are, we get water baptized because we're on a journey of being saved. The third thing that should happen is we should be praying for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. A Christian, when you make a commitment to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit because that's what brings life. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit comes so that we can live life and function as God called us as Christians and that the power which activates and manifests the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, starts to flow in and through us. And the other thing that should happen um, in the life of the church is that we have communion. That's the breaking of bread and the drinking of juice represented of Christ's death and resurrection. And that's what we should be seeing in the life of the church. So what happens is when a body of believers come together, we start to pray, we worship, uh, we hear God's word, we practice the sacraments, and that's actually how we see the church functioning. We're not here to gather crowds and to tickle people's ears. We're actually here to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry, for God to get real with you, you to get real with God, and then for you to fulfill a plan and a purpose that God has for your lives. That's what God has called us to. So, a couple more things here. I want to look at the purity and the unity of the church. When we look at the purity of the church, it is the degree of freedom from wrong doctrine and conduct, and it's the degree of conformity to God's revealed will for the church. And this is written by a guy called uh, Wayne Grudem, and he says, if you look at the Philippian church and you look at the Colossian church, right, and if you look at their doctrine and what is going on in that particular church and their conduct, you'll find that the Philippian church and the Colossian church is actually in a far more pure state the Corinthian church. All you have to do is go and read the book of Corinthians and you'll see how messed up they actually are. But thank goodness they all love Jesus and he's busy working in their lives. But it becomes helpful for us to see that uh, the Philippian church and the Colossian church have a relative absence of doctrinal and moral problems. Whereas the Corinthian is totally the opposite. So, It is possible that as a church we may not be totally pure, but hopefully because of what God's doing in us, we are becoming purer, if that makes sense. And so as saints, we're not sinless. We sin less because of what God is doing in our lives. We should not be enjoying sin, and hopefully we should be dealing with sin regularly and repenting of it, like we had last week in our meeting, God's just repenting of of the sin and the things that they were holding on to in their lives. Factors that influence a church and and, and and make it purer is sound biblical doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe. It's important for us as Christ followers. What do you believe about Jesus? When we meet with people in, in, in the town, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe He is the Messiah? Do you believe that He is the Son of God? Do you believe that it's only through Jesus that we can inherit eternal life? Do you believe that Jesus has taken your sin and pegged it on the cross with Him because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for your sake and my sake? Do we believe that? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? This is doctrine. The, this is what we believe. There are some non negotiables for us as Christ followers. We cannot tinker with those things. Uh, what do you believe about the church? Those things become very, very powerful for us. And so I want to encourage us in this area ask yourself this question what do I really believe? And as a congregation, what do we believe and what are we standing for? And what are we portraying and what are we taking out into, into the world? Does this make sense for you guys? It goes on. It's the other things that we look at, there's genuine worship and there's effective prayer, there's effective witnessing. A church that is understanding its function and its role, you'll see I'm going to go there shortly, is a church that is reaching out and witnessing to others. You don't need your Bible under your arm and bashing everybody in the street. You know what? You can do life with people. And you'll see that shortly when I open that up a little bit later on for us. The other thing is is that we do life amongst the saints. There's personal holiness there's a sensing that we want to be purer in the way that we live our lives. We care for the poor, and there's a deep love for Jesus. And you will hear me kick this ball down field all the time. We love God. We love one another. It flows from there to there all the time. And if it flows from there to there, we'll always want to be together in, a, um, in, in that which God has called us to. So as a church, we are going from glory to glory. And I want to say to you, we won't have everything waxed. Those who are visiting, you know what? We're not a perfect family. Trust me. I'm, I'm, You've you, you got me as a leader here. We're not perfect. You've got us as leaders here. We're not perfect. We're just normal people who love the Lord. But the one thing I can encourage you with here, your friends you can choose, but your family you can't. The family of God is chosen for you by God. Your friends you can choose. But the brother and the sister sitting next to you who loves Jesus, you don't get the choice in that. And the funny thing is God uses that person next to you to actually help you in your journey. And in some cases, will expose some character flaws and issues. Is that possible, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> hey? But that's how God works. He chooses to do that. And so we actually need to celebrate that and say, God, thank you that you love us enough not to leave us out there, but actually bring us into a body, into a family. And you work with us here. And can I say to you that God uses your life to impact others around you? Don't underestimate the influence that you have by being here on a Sunday morning or going to a com group meeting. Do you know that sometimes you might not get a moment of saying anything, but just your presence can hold somebody else up because they would be encouraged by the fact that you're there? Does that make sense? All right. So I'm just going to read this, um, Ephesians 5, verses 26 and 27. It says, um, We are to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so as we preach the Word of God, as we come together, what is God doing? He's actually purifying the bride. And as you sit here this morning... I don't know where every person is at, but what I can tell you, if there was dust on that wall and there was rain coming in, what will happen when the water runs down that wall? The dust will start to run down, is that right? How many of you have seen that at your homes? I believe in the same way that we sit here, as we come together, as the word is preached, as we worship, as we do what we're doing. The Spirit of God is busy washing over our lives. And He will wash over our lives to greater degrees in each person's life. That's why I can't control what God does. We have to let Him do what He needs to do in each person's life. The, the next thing is that we need to look at the unity of the church. And this is also where the, church, the church's degree of freedom from divisions among the saints comes into being. Now, we as followers of Christ need to understand that it is possible that we could have challenges in the church. We could have relational issues with one another. Can you believe it? Hey? I mean, I know. I'm a pastor. I've got calluses on my backside, you know, because the sheep do bite. Trust me. And, and, and some of you are wondering, what? How can you say a word like that? But it's true. I can show you guys. Yeah, I think I was like, please don't. You're going, yeah. <laughs> but can you believe it that in the church, there can be divisions amongst people? There can be squabbling. There can be jealousy. There can be coveting. All of these things are, are things that actually happen in the church. We're not perfect people. The thing is, outside of it, many of us are accustomed to this. You just have to look at your families or some of your friendship circles and the challenges that you face there. But God brings you in here, and suddenly you have these issues. But this is where God takes the aspects of our character and our nature, and he starts to work with us. And he goes and he says, "Ah, You're coveting. You want a bicycle like ants. The only thing is, he needs a very big bicycle. <laughs> You know, like, Lord, why did he have to get that bicycle? You know, and, and we start to compare gifts, spiritual gifts. And, 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 and believe it or not, it can get very ugly here. But as a church, we've got to take responsibility and we've got to get rid of our indifference. You and I need to protect the unity of the body. There's a part that God calls you and I to, and that is to make sure that we walk together in unity. We walk together in unity. We love people. Despite their frailties and their weaknesses. Because you know why? If I look at my life and I see how God has loved me despite my frailties and my weaknesses, who am I to judge you? Just bring it back to yourself and say, if God can love me and you know what you're like. If you're sitting here and you're saying, "Oh, actually, I'm quite cool. I want to tell you, you already have a problem because you've got Pride. And that's a sin. You need to repent of that. We are all broken. We are all messed up. But we have a Savior and His name is Jesus. And God uses Him to bring wholeness and restoration into our lives. So we need to deal with unforgiveness. Forgive quickly. Prefer one another. Encourage one another in the things of God. Believe the best of one another. And then very, very importantly... Just remember this. The unsaved are watching us. We can say a heck of a lot, but the unsaved will watch our actions and our attitudes. And sometimes that is not always a good testimony. So we need to make sure we take a grip of this and that we're walking correctly in the life of the church. Acts 4.32, it's not not given to Elmar. It says, but all the believers were one in heart and mind. And I want to say and purpose. And Andrew Celi often says to us, he says, we need to be of one heart, one mind, one purpose. What are we doing here? We want to we wanna see people get saved. We want to uh, walk well in the life of the church. And then we want to equip you as the saints to go and do the work of the ministry. I loved it this morning in our prayer meeting, folks stepping up and praying. Loved it this morning, seeing people coming up, giving prophetic words. This is what it's about. We're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. One heart, one mind, one purpose. And I want to say to you, this church facility can only take X amount of people. We've got it in our hearts and minds, say, God, I hope we don't ever just stay here, that we get comfortable with just over 100 folk. I'd love to see us eventually get to a place that we have to maybe sow out. Into other congregations, or maybe even go and plant a church, or be a part of a church plant uh, in the, in the surrounding areas. Don't get comfortable. There's only so much this this facility can take, and we've got to trust God that that He will pave the way forward for us. One heart, one mind, one purpose, serving His purposes. Philippians two two it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Just reinforcing. Hey, man, I don't know about you. For me, the wonder of the church is like, yes, Lord, thank you that you've saved me. Thank you that you have taken this messed up life. And now, Lord, you put me in a space that I'm part of a group of people that are really a wacky bunch, Lord. And I fit in really well with them. And, and it's so cool. And we do all of this stuff, and we sing songs, and we pray, and, and the word is preached, and that, Lord, this is, this is so cool. This is the church that you give us, and this is what we're part of. And we should be excited about that. Oh, people, I want to ask the question. What would you do if the church just ceased? What would you do? Where would it leave us? Don't lose the wonder of the local church. Because it's God's hand reaching out into a community that is broken. He's heard the cry of people's hearts. And he's reaching out and he's bringing people in into family so I've got three things that I'm going to land with um, as this plan has hit 30,000 so the purpose of the church firstly is a place of ministry to God let's put up Ephesians 5 verses 16 to 19 making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is Do not get drunk on wine, which is led to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And I think that's it. So what does that look like for us this morning? Well, worship. We come to worship God here. That's why we meet. You might be wondering, why do we do some of this stuff? I heard something the other day where somebody was saying, you know, they they were telling a story. It's like, let me explain it like this. Lee bakes a cake, right? And every time she bakes a cake, what happens is, once the cake comes out, she ices it, but then she'll cut off certain corners. And then we'll say to her one day, I said, so why do you do that? Because my mom did it. So she's just following what her mom did. Then you go and you chat to the mom, and the mom said to her, Mom, Lee does this. Why do you do this? Why do you cut the... the the corners of, because she's now following what you've said. And her mom says, well, my mom used to do it. And then, fortunately, her mom's mom is alive, and you go and you sit with her mom's mom, and you say, Granny, why do you cut the corners of the cake like this? Because Lee's doing it, her mom did it, and apparently you're doing it. She says, well, you know, the only reason why we did it was the container that we actually were cooking in was actually not of the right size and shape so we had to cut the cake and shape it accordingly and so this is how things get perpetuated and so you might be wondering why we do some of the things that we do we're doing it because what we see in the bible and we're living that out on a daily basis or on a weekly basis when we talk about praise and worship we come to praise Praise is expressive. When we talk about worship, it's about being intimate. So there are moments in our time where we will have songs where we will be expressive in our praise with God, and then there are moments where we're going to get intimate with God. And ultimately what is important is that as we do this, that God is glorified and exalted. It's not about singing songs to make us feel good. It's about actually Him being blessed, Him being glorified. Colossians 3, verses 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your heart sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Ephesians 1, 12 says, So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise and glory of God. Everything we do here is to bring Him glory and honor. The second thing that the church does, it ministers to believers Let's see what Colossians 1, 28, 29 says. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works within me. That admonishing means about bringing correction. Can you believe it that even in the church, we've got to correct people? The problem with many folk, and this is a big challenge, people have issues with authority. And it's across the board. You can just see your children in school, how they rebel against the teachers. And, and you might have it in your home, or you might have it in your workplace. And then we get into the church, and people have issues with the authority Yeah, And we are here to serve you. We're here to do you well. We're here to do good. But the, the challenges that we do face is that um, in the church, we need to equip you as saints so that when you see a brother stepping out of line, possibly delving in sin... That Would you be willing to go and deal with that, or do you leave it up to the pastors? Imagine what the church could look like if we're looking out for one another. It's a simple thing. Hey, Ian, bro, I saw you operate in a manner which is not so cool. You're a little bit rough on the edges with Naomi. And and you know, she's God's daughter. Bro, I see something on your life, and, and I think you need to have a look at this. If he really, really is interested in growing in the things of God, he'll go, Yo, you know what, I didn't see that. Thank you for being my blind spot mirror. Actually, the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Naomi and I'm going to say to her, listen, I'm really sorry for what I did. That's how we walk with one another. Uh, By the way, that was just an exercise. That wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the church is responsible to nurture those who are already believers. We need to build them up. We need to bring you to maturity. And, um, and that's why Paul also highlights in Ephesians 4:11 to 13, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what it's about. We should all be growing and we should all move into a space. How do you know that you've grown with wisdom? How do you know that you've become mature when you don't hold on to the things that you used to hold on to and we actually start to make if i can use the word adult decisions in the way that we administer service to one another and love one another and care for one another and then the last point that i want to raise is the ministry to the world this is evangelism and and mercy i won't be reading matthew 18 uh, matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 But this is where Jesus does speak. And he says, now, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, now, go and make disciples. He calls us to go and reach out. That's what you and I should be doing. We've come. We've worshipped. We've spent time. We're sitting under the word of God. We have a little bit of fun. We have tea and coffee and all those kind of things. But when you leave here, your life needs to make a difference wherever you find yourself. And how does that happen? Through our actions and our words, are we listening to what people are saying? Do we pick up on people struggling? Are you able to pray for your boss if you know that the company is struggling? Say, so, hey man, listen, I've just come out of a Sunday meeting, and I know that there's a massive responsibility on you because you actually have so many people that are dependent on the choices and decisions that you make. Can I pray for you, sir or ma'am? Now we're starting to operate like God has called us to. We're not being weird; we're being faithful. Who knows what God could do with that? You know, for me, this last week, I, I've wrestled terribly with the five people that, that, that were in that imploded submarine. I, 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 I cannot get my head around the fact that five of these people, billionaires, and it cost them $250,000 each to go underwater to go and have a look at the Titanic. And in a split second... They lost their lives. You know the first thing I thought of was. Did they know Jesus? That's how we as Christ followers need to live. We, we, we have got friends and family around us who are physically dying, emotionally, spiritually, they are dying. And are we as the church even concerned about the well-being of these people? And so our job is to be like heat-seeking missiles to reach out to the lost and the broken. And you can do it by friendship evangelism. You don't have to Bible bash. Just love people. Spend time with people. Have coffee. Have a breakfast. Have a meal. Take them a meal. Just reach out. Do something. If you and I are doing what God has called us to do, please hear me when I say this. not a heavy. This is important for us, though. If we are doing what God has called us to do, we should be filling up this place next week. Because we should be reaching out to people and saying, Hey man, I want you to come to church with me. I want you to come and hear the gospel. We're we're, we're normal people. We love God. We love people. But I want to expose you to the gospel. Why? Why do we do this? Because if we don't do it, there's every chance that if they don't know Jesus, that they will go to hell. We don't preach this. And it's sad for me because often at funerals, when we go to funerals, Everybody's going to heaven. No, they're not. We're lying. Those who put their faith in Jesus, those who called on the name of Jesus and recognized their sin are the ones that are going to heaven. Not everybody. The word of God says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that all who believed in him, not all are going to believe in him. But I want to tell you something. I'd rather be in a space where I give people the opportunity to hear the gospel by an invite rather than not expose them, and we have a chance of losing people. Don't have blood on your hands. Let's reach out. And I want to ask you today, Who, five people that you know, five people that you know that are not part of church or fallen away from church, who will you reach out to and say, will you come and join me? If they don't respond, don't get bent out of shape. Because God can start working. I can tell you right now, there's probably a thousand invites that were extended to me before I even got into church. I know Lee's brother and and, and sister-in-law, we sent so many invites to them to join us and to come to church. They rejected, 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 would come, rejected, rejected, would come. Today, they're part of Melkbos. Serving. There's power in an invite you're not called to save people jesus is but give them the opportunity okay we're good with that i'm going to land so if we look across the josh jen story what's important for us is that all of the stuff that i've mentioned here now we need to keep everything in balance if we're going to build a healthy and authentic church we need to keep this all in balance and what is important is for each one of us as saints number one love jesus Love the people. When we come together, give yourself fully to the things of God here. It might look weird to other people. Worship Him. Be radical in your worship for Him. When we get intimate, be seriously intimate with the Lord. When we pray, when we prophesy, when we do all the things that we've spoken about, the most important thing is prepare yourself so that when you leave this place and you connect with people in the community, that we start to take what we've heard here We take it out there and people may possibly respond to the gospel and be saved. Amen.